and James Wan. Yeah. Okay. So they merged. So Blumhouse has merged with, um, Blumhouse uh, Films has merged with James Wan's company, Atomic Monster. Yes. So they finally produced their first film together, kind of, sort of, I guess. Um, and it stars Wyatt Russell, you know, Kurt Russell's kid. Yep. It's got Carrie Condon, who's, you know, up and coming, good Irish actress. And... You know, I can't beat this. This has got to be good, right? It's about a killer swimming pool. Sounds intriguing. (laughs) Yeah, that's, well, uh, it's called Night Swim. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, it's a fucking killer pool. This is going to be fucking stupid, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to watch this and save it for the podcast. When's it out? It is, it's out now. Right. Uh, You can rent it it and all, whatever. Uh, No, Trevor, you don't understand. This is the worst piece of shit I have ever seen in my entire life. Really? Oh dear. It is horrendous. I am in awe. Those actors I mentioned and the producers I mentioned would have greenlit this piece of shit. Who directed? I mean, Night Night Swim. Uh, guys, you got some idea about a killer pool, and you figured, oh yeah, okay, I'll run with it. What do you got? And there's nothing to this film. Yeah, I'll give it, it a miss. It is horrendous. I, I don't know where to go. I mean, what a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, I won't even give it podcast breath. Yeah. Well, I am kind of now, but... Not in a positive way. <laughs> Fuck me. I just, and I, and is it... Talk. I mean, I'm down to know. Is it about a killer pool? Yeah. It's about a family who moves into this house and they get the place real cheap. Yes. A child was kidnapped by the pool couple years before right so well the cat the, people yeah right yeah the child disappeared but we know the pool took the child right so the pool is some kind of ancient burial i don't know what i can't remember i blacked out yeah like the director and the writers did mm-hmm. and wyatt russell plays a baseball player big leaguer who's injured but anytime he goes and he's he's limping he's trying to get his arm back but when he's in the pool, it rejuvenates him. Right. So he doesn't need the crutch anymore all of a sudden. He's the running. magic pool and, as well? Yeah. For him, it's feeding him. Okay. But for others, it's trying to harm, like the children. Yeah. So anytime the children go in alone, something happens to them. Now, the way I'm making a sound makes it sound kind of, well, this sounds pretty good. It's not. It's like a family drama. Is it played for laughs? Is it PG-13? No. It's completely straight. It is the most boring, laughable film I've ever... I mean... What's your target does it have? Oh, it's PG-13. No, uh, yeah, it's, definitely giving it yeah. a miss. It's... Oh, boy, it's bad. This is their first outing with their merge, and... Oh, boy. Yeah. So, I don't know. 
maybe we'll do it just to, and you can watch it and you probably go, oh my God, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> what a piece of shit. Okay. But go turn, turn to a more positive note here. It's retrospective again time. We just wrapped up the Back to the Futures. We teased you with a little Nico from above the law. Bit of Steven Seagull. You're welcome. Uh, just take a break from the retrospectives, but we're diving right back into it. As we've promised you for quite a while now, we're here to talk the entire Nightmare on Elm Street collection. Now, we, as we mentioned, we probably won't do Freddy vs. Jason because we talked about that with the Friday the 13th retrospective. Uh, but we, had, we, we decided that we're going to go ahead and dabble in some of the TV episodes that aired. Um, yes, there was a Nightmare on Elm Street TV show. Not only that, there was also a Nightmare on Elm Street rap song with the Fat Boys oh, and Robert Ungland. <laughs> Are you I ready for that. Freddy? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, oh also, also um, Will Smith, uh, back when he was the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, yeah. um, he yeah. did uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street rap song. Nightmare on My Street, it was yes. called. With Jazzy Jeff, I think. It was actually just Jazzy Jeff at first. Right. Fresh Prince didn't come in until... He was in it, but it was, it was DJ Jazzy Jeff's gig. Right. Fresh Prince popularized it. I always like Jazzy Jeff anyway. Yeah, these, I, mean, I don't like Will Smith. I'm know. not a fan of Will Smith. I actually prefer Jazzy Jeff. Yeah, he seems pretty grounded. Yeah. I am a big fan of Slasher, as we all know. And the one thing I can always appreciate about... I wasn't a Nightmare on Elm Street fan. Never really was. But the one thing I could appreciate about Nightmare on Elm Street was that it it took a beaten down subgenre of the slasher and did something different. Um, and they did hit out of the park with Nightmare on Elm Street. As you know, I did talk about Nightmare on Elm Street with our, one of our podcasts a couple of years ago. But we're just going to do a refresher relook just for continuity's sake. Yeah, I wasn't on that podcast, so maybe that'll be a new sort of we can argue instead of you and Nula arguing you know yeah actually I think we all agree with it there's a couple things that are really bad in this film but guys keep in mind I know there's a lot of purists when it comes to Freddy Krueger I am going to have poke fun at it I'm going to have a good laugh but it doesn't mean I don't appreciate it um I will say this my Friday 13th gets a bum rap from the bad acting ooh Friday 13th is fucking Shakespeare in the park Compared to some of the acting that goes on in this film, uh, in, we'll the, in this first it. film, oh god, yeah, I, I don't think the acting's that bad. I mean, it's it's not. I mean, you're uh-huh. not talking Oscar it's, winning a material. It's terrible, but it's, it's possible. It, it's almost ruins it. I disagree, but anyway, we'll get to it. All right, so let's just dive right into it. Um, yeah, we're not gonna. We, we've talked about West quite a few times. Um, we get the man between you know, uh, creative last house and left, the hills of eyes. Uh, those were two his big outings, and then things fell flat for him. He wasn't doing very well. Swamp Thing was a bomb, but that was producers and him having words. Um, and he just really never found his footing in the 80s. He was forced to do Hills of Ice 2, which was a train wreck. I thought it was all right, but it was missing that grindhouse appeal that made the first one so edgy and dark. He also did a film around the same time as um, A Nightmare on Elm Street, it was a made-for-TV movie. I may have spoken about it on previous podcasts called Invitation to Hell about basically this um, fitness club who were really a cult and they had this portal to hell. It's actually... I, I remember... I wouldn't mind revisiting it, actually. It's terrible. Um, but I remember... So I think Susan Lucci's in it. Yeah. 
Who's right. like a daytime soap opera star. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. It has no, he... made for TV appeal. But I remember yeah. it freaking me yeah. out as a kid, but I, I, I would have to revisit it. Uh, I did a film about killer Amish people and, and Deadly Blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, with Sharon Stone, I think, one of her first films. I could be wrong. Anyways, he wasn't doing it. He wasn't finding his footing. His good friend, Robert Shea, uh, same thing. He, I have a lot of respect for Robert Shea. He founded a New Line Cinema back in 68, I believe it was. And he kept it going as long as he could. And he was about to close the doors when a little a script, a little treatment story idea came from Wes about the man in your dreams. And Nightmare on Elm Street was born. New Line Cinema is famous as being called the house that Freddie built, and that is that. true. That is a fact. It is now an Academy Award-winning production company, giving us the Lord of the Ring franchise. I love the story of, of New Line Cinema. I have, and I, like I just mentioned, Robert Shea, I have a lot of respect for. Um, no good on And uh, taking, you know, a little engine that could here. Story, and uh, same thing happens with Lionsgate. And the, the same things happen with another company called A24. Yeah. So good on these small production companies. And the great thing about New Line, the great thing about Lionsgate, and, well, A24 is still, you know, a verdict still out there. But I'll tell you what, the one thing about Lionsgate and these, the New Line does, they always go back to horror, and they do more more horrors than they do blockbusters. They stick to their and the roots. Money, and the money's that, and the, when those horror movies make money, they'll go make a couple big blockbusters. And that's the way I think it should be done. Yeah. It was originally David Warner in the costume. He was masked, ready to go, uh, until unfortunately production got halted, just for whatever reason, as usual, it does happen. He had to walk away from production. I'm now, say I'd like that it could be um, complete sacrilege to the Freddy Krueger and Nightmare on Elm Street fans, but they're, and I'm a big fan of Robert England as Freddy Krueger. But I think, you know, there is a chance that David Warner could have been even better and well, creepier. But he does creepy and weird well. Or he did. He's dead now, sadly. Yeah. We'll jump into why I actually, I can't believe I'm saying this, agree with you on this. Now, there's there's a scene that we'll talk about. Here's the problem. I think Robert England's too tiny. Yeah. And you, you need a taller presence. There's a rumor Kevin Bacon's going to be we uh, taken over, which would be perfect casting. Apparently, Tom- Kane Hodder auditioned for it as well. Oh, I don't know. Thanks. Um, but I, tall and lanky works for me when it comes when I think Freddie. Uh, again, Robert England, uh, you do. It's your character. You brought life to it. Kudos. But we always talk about Indiana Jones, or talk about Han Solo, or talk about whatever. Yes. But we can never see somebody replacing those actors. Yeah. You, no one else can play Indiana Jones. No one. No one else is ever going to play Han so well. They try to. Um, but I think you get my point. Yes. I can see somebody else playing Freddy Krueger. Oh, yeah. Well, people have. I mean, um, in the remake. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those roles where there's so much makeup involved, you can get away with it more than, say, a character like Indiana Jones or Han Solo. Yeah, and and that and that's probably true, uh, but I don't know. I I, I don't know. Is is height, or you know, is lack of height um, essentially um, is noticeable in some scenes where there's a lack of intimidating threat there, like especially in a couple of the scenes with Tina 
Um, well, let's just jump into the film and then we can kind of dissect it back that way. Now, we all know that Nightmare on Elm Street came from a story from the LA Times yeah. that Robert England read about men that were dying uh, from their nightmares. And they found all these sleeping pills around these individuals. Uh, not sleeping pills, sorry. Found, uh, what do you call it? No-dos or whatever. Yeah. Um, so they wouldn't fall asleep. And that's where he kind of got the idea. For yeah, like amphetamines. Yeah. Um, Elm Street comes, it's very Americana. Oh, yeah, totally. It's like, it's like First Avenue. It's a very common name in the street. It's also a very famous street where Kennedy was shot. Mm-hmm. That's kind of creepy. But uh, that's kind of where he got it. He got the name Freddy from, a, from a, a local bully. That's right. In his neighborhood. And he got the idea of a, the look of him uh, from one, one morning when he got up from his house and he looked outside the window and he saw this creepy old man a wearing like guy. a fandora, uh, be a homeless guy, whatever, a fend- wearing a fandora. And he just stared up at Wes and he said he never got that image out of his head. So that's kind of where Freddie was born. Mm-hmm. Kind of a mosh pit of different experiences or uh, articles he's written. Um, so let's dive into Nightmare on Elm Street. Let's talk about Freddy. 1984, 1.8 million budget, 25 million in profit. That's pretty solid oh, yeah. for a little film. Back then, I don't think people really. Right now, people listen to say, well, that's not that much. That's a lot of money for back then. Well, compared to, um, if you work out any percentages of what it cost, you know? Yeah, inflation, yep. all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Trust me, it was a, it's, it's a gold mine. And the other ones are just going to make just as much, especially uh, number three when we get well, to it. Well, they made it. more. Uh, I believe um, the sequels made even possibly more as the series went on. When they made the first one, and I know Wes Craven did not want to make sequels. That's yes. a fact. Uh, they did not want to become another Friday Thirteenth. They planned just a one film. Let's just jump in. Okay, we've got Nancy, Freddie, Sheriff, Tina, Glenn, Marge, the drunk, <laughs> and Rod Lane. Yeah, those are pretty much the key characters. Johnny Depp's first acting role as Glenn. Johnny Depp's. Yep, he's introduced as he's, he's uh, introducing yes. as as uh, Johnny Depp there. And watching this again, it has a lot of similarities to Wes Craven's Scream. Oh, yeah. Especially the friendships. Uh, especially with Tina, Nancy, and Glenn. And he put Rod in there as well. Rod, and, what, what age is Rod? About 40? <laughs> yeah. He's supposed to be 16. You know, it's funny. Tina, I guess he, yeah, that's a good point. Because of all of them, he looks very old. The other, the other three look pretty fair to their age. Well, t- Tina... It's playing a fifteen year or sorry, the actress is playing a Tina's supposed to be fifteen. Yep. Wow. We'll, we'll talk about that one scene. Okay. So the the movie does a psycho. All right. So we're introduced to Tina here, which I do like. I do like the fact we're invested in Tina and you don't realize she's she's the first one to get it. She's about to be bumped off. I a, a, a yeah. thing that of course Craven would revisit um with Scream, the original yeah. film. Yep. Like I said, this this does have a lot of well, vice versa actually. Scream Certainly borrows from itself, but the, the creator is the creator. Well, Kevin Williamson, I guess you can say borrowed yeah. from this. And then Wes said, yeah, sounds good. Mm-hmm. The, the whole dynamic between, again, it's really fast, fast-paced, fast about less than 15 minutes, you're introduced to all these people. And I do like them. Uh, Heather Langenkamp is saved by the other three. Her acting's appalling. I don't know. I mean, I think 
Heather's acting itself, in and of itself, isn't actually it's possible, but the it's character so is quite annoying. And the characters sort of, and I suppose it is her acting, you know, the mannerisms. I think yeah. her acting is sound, but um, definitely the character is pretty annoying. I'll tell you what, we'll get, we'll dive more into her acting. Now, guys, when I, I'm tearing her apart, I'm going to make some jokes here and all, but I do like her as a human being. I think she's got a good head on her shoulders, and I do think when part three comes around, she's clearly matured. So it, this is not a permanent, but I'm sorry. It's terrible. I wouldn't say terrible. Thinks, I think that's a It's terrible. Harsh. It is. Bla- I mean, I'm going to tell you scenes. And you're going to sit there and probably go, oh, my God, she was brilliant. Because <laughs> you always do that. You always do Everything's brilliant. No. All right. So. <laughs> um, so they all go to their, they all go to uh, Tina's house, right? Yes. Oh, I love, I love when Tina's having her first nightmare, right? Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. Where it, and it's it's a clever way to show Tina's kind of alone. Yeah, because she wakes up screaming, and her fucking drunken mom comes in with her drunken whore man. Yeah, and Tina's got this tear, you know the Freddy's tear. Yes, that's in right. Her Boy, her. Yeah, did you have to get your the, fingernails clipped? <laughs> well, she goes either get your fingernails clipped or stop dreaming what you're dreaming. Yeah. You pick one over the other. <laughs> like, Jesus. Real, real comforting, Mother. Yeah. And and that, that, that whole thing was like 20 seconds. Yep. But it was a nice way to quickly introduce the fact that this poor girl is by herself. Yeah. And it explains why she is kind of a recluse and why she is kind of a a party girl, I guess yeah, you Yeah, yeah. Well, she's having sex and, and all the rest. Now, let's talk about the sex scene. Uh, there isn't one. I mean, obviously, but I'm so I'm. A, now I know they interviewed some of the actors, and they said, "Yeah, it was bad." The moaning and groaning that was going on. <laughs> what the fuck? I thought there was two bears beating the shit out of each other. It's over the top. It's really. I couldn't stop laughing. It takes you out of it, uh, especially well, during. I, a, think, I think it's funny. What actually made me laugh? Where you can see Glenn played by Johnny Depp, being frustrated because he's getting none. You know what I mean? Because Nancy's a good, a good girl. You know, she doesn't do that sort of thing. So I, I sort of laughed at that, you know, his uh, frustrated face, you know. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's a bit, you know, I, I don't think it's that bad, but it is. I mean, you always do that. What? It's bad, okay? The actors are added to it. You always find a, the silver lining. It's horrible. <laughs> it's laughable. <laughs> In the scene we're about to get, lucky he doesn't ruin it because it's a cre- it's the it's the best death in all the Nightmare on Elm Streets. Yeah, um, but it it's like it's like he's beating her up. It's like exactly. has got her early. Yeah, but I mean, that's what it was. like. What the fuck? It's silly, but it didn't take me out of the film. Because I knew what was co- I suppose because I knew what was coming up. The brutal sort of um, murder scene. Yeah, luckily the scene's pretty brutal because if it wasn't, it would have really taken people out. I mean, I know we're having a good. I'm having a good laugh at it, but wow, it's bad. I think yeah, it's. I think you know, luckily enough for it, it is definitely. Um, it, it, people forget about it, or at least they don't forget about it, but they put it to their back of their, their minds once Tina's murder happens. One of my favorite shots in the film is right before Tina's going to get it, 
Nancy sleeping. Yes. And then you see Freddie coming through the wall, trying to come through the wall, trying to pierce through the wall. Yes. And then she's trying. She's starting to just regain, wake up a bit there. And then they see the go back in. That is such a creepy shot. And also, it, it also makes a lot of sense. Um, in the terms of, of you know the continuity, because it means that Freddy's nah, I'll not, I'll leave Nancy alone for now. I'll go back to Tina, and he does. Yeah, it's also gonna be a little foreshadowing to where you're next. Yeah, it's a nice intro to what we're about to get mm-hmm. when Tina gets slaughtered. It is it is a, a tough watch, especially if you realize she's 50, playing a fifteen year old. Yeah. Um, it's it's really violent and really shocking, actually. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, I'm certain I've seen a lot of horror over over my, over my life, and um, but it still holds a, a very strong part of this day. And the way she gets thrown about the room, you know, the ceiling and stuff, it's like, whoa, what the hell? It, it's it's brutal, but it is very powerful, and it is a brilliant horror scene. And Rod's there, sitting there, nothing he can do. Mm-hmm. And when the minute he guts her. And, and she finally plops on the bed. Um, you could, she's like screaming in pain. She's screaming. And then once he guts, you can hear her final gasp. Yeah. Um, t- um, Amanda Weiss, who plays her, does a really nice job when you can hear the, uh, you know, the her being gutted. Yes. In the final stabbing. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it, that, and this happens pretty quickly within the film. Oh, why? Um, so not only do you pull the rug from underneath us, Janet Leigh style, you give us this horrific death, just like you did with Janet Lee, technically. So the audience is like, fuck, what's up? What's yeah, going to happen Yeah, all bets are off. Yeah. And that's where Nightmare on Elm Street shines. Um, you know, balls to the wall, all bets are off, no one is safe. And that's what works about Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, well, I, I mean, I would go back to the Scream as well, which, of course, came on, uh, over 10 years later. Um, Wild Scream overall is still brilliant. The opening um, section with Drew Barrymore, uh, everything that comes after it is not quite as good. Still, still great in its own way, but uh, it's it's hard to follow such a strong opening in both A Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream. Well, all films are always going to have a scene that's going to be the most dominating one, mm-hmm. whether it's in the middle, like Brian De Palma is famous for that. He'll have three scenes in his film that will steal the film. Yeah. One of them was always going to be better than the other. Uh, but I hear what you're saying. Wes has a way of drawing in. He does the same thing with um, Serpent and the Rainbow. I yes. believe he does it with Shocker. He does it with People Under the Stairs. You know, he's he has a way of sucking you in the first 20 minutes or so. Here's your characters. Boom, I'm going to throw something at you. Now you're in. Yeah. Yeah, that's his craft. That's, that's the way he was. Uh but uh, it's too bad we're not going to see any more of Wes. Yep, sadly not. Yeah. Now, during the, se- the dream sequence to Tina, this is what I was talking about. And again, guys, I like Robert England. So, you know, this is, I, I do. I really do enjoy his stuff. I think he's great as Freddy. But there's a scene where, you know, his arms are extended, which I thought was kind of fun, like a marionette. Yeah. Um, when, when Tina's dreaming before she goes, when, before she dies. But then she starts running away from him. And he looks like a little child. I know that's one of the right scenes I was her. talking about, where his his lack of height is noticeable. It's really. I'll be like, oh, that's all. so. You got the blades, okay? I'll get a bat. Yeah, yeah. It kind of takes me out a little bit. Uh, but what does save Freddie is the performance by Robert England. The way he his one liners, 
the way he's told to, you know, when he chops off his fingers. Very, very look creepy. He gives Tina. Uh, and he his voice. It. Yeah. Yeah, he's very good at playing with his food. Apart from um, apart from A Nightmare on Elm Street, back in the day, um, I also remember him from a science fiction series called V, where he played a friendly alien called Willie. Yeah, that's where he kind of made his... Is that's where he made his. That's where people knew him from. Yeah, it's uh, one of the reasons he, he ended up getting uh, that way on the street. So we're talking about acting here. This is the police. I mean, this is the best scene. You've got the mother, who's a worse actress than the daughter, <laughs> Bonnie Blakely or something. But oh, Ronnie Blakely. Yes. Oh my God! It's, and these two, and she's like, Oh my God, Heather. Don't you think murder is serious? <laughs> and then Nancy, and not then, the other. And then and she's like, well, yeah. of course I'm taking it seriously. <laughs> and then you got poor John Saxon, who's a fucking great actor. Yeah. Who's sitting there going, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's it's it's, it's so bad. But it, no, it is. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. But, uh, you know, stuff like that, I can sort of. I, mean, I, won't I do the too. Guys, me. listen. I agree with you. I'm just ripping on it. Yeah. I'm having a good laugh. It doesn't destroy the film. It's mm-hmm. a wonderful film. We all like Netmer and Elm Street. But come on. No, it's I'm, horrible. I'm agreeing with you. Mom! <laughs> I'm too seriously. There's another scene which isn't um, too far away. The the scene with the claw and, and the bath. And um, the, oh, the, yeah. the, the mom's like saying to her, I brought you some hot milk. And she's going, hot milk? <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. And then, it's and so opera, like sort of, uh, you know, sort of dialogue-y scenes, you know? You know? Um, I noticed this while watching with the podcast eyes. There's a scene where, as you do, as your best friend's been murdered, you go to school the next day. Oh, naturally, of course. Yeah. Um, when she's then you walking. fall asleep. I love this scene, by the way. <laughs> She's she's walking to the school. Yeah, it's the Halloween theme. Well, there's a lot of it's similarities all, with, to the wet shot. As it's well. a lot. Of, yeah, it's it's. You can hear the the Laurie Strode theme. It's called, yeah. and it's you very can much hear up, it. Yeah, Charles Bernstein's very good at uh, nodding yeah. to other composers in that field in that genre. Well, the whole scene is very Halloween. Yeah, it's even the school, even the teacher teaching. Yes. Um, is very reminiscent of the original Halloween. This scene of course, really scared me as a kid. You know, where she falls asleep in school and you see Tina in the body bag. Yeah, that's a creepy scene. It's 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 one of the. It's probably next to Tina's death. Anything that Tina's in seems to be, be the best part of the film. Yeah, definitely. There's a later scene um, where Nancy's dreaming and Tina appears and again in the body bag. Um, and um, there's all like worms and sort of goo and all yeah, coming out yeah. from the bottom of her. Really effective. You see, you see the the teacher's Lynn Shea? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, Robert Shea's sister. And it's funny because she was always this little character actress. Or, and and then once there's something about Mary hit, yeah. she became as... She, she, she's been in like um, the Insidious films as well, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. She had a massive rebirth. And now all of a sudden, she's mm-hmm. this horror scream queen. I'm like, good, good <laughs> on her. And yeah, for like, when, she, when She was in her 60s when this all started. <laughs> she's, she's in the 80s, I think, now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, good honor. I fair play. Cool. Yeah. So, um, so when I love when 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 Nancy's going to school, and and then Rod shows up, and the dad rests Rod. Yeah. And the daughter's like, "You fucking used me as bait." Yeah. 
And the dad's like, yeah. Well, it's a really good scene because, <laughs> mainly because of um, John Saxon. And it's, you know, and the, the guy, um, somebody, uh, is it Hugh Garcia playing Rod? He can act decently enough. I'm not saying he's, you know, Sir Lawrence Olivier, but he, he sort of sells it. No, he, 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 the first part, he's kind of an idiot. Yeah. The second part, though. He's on the run. Uh, he's on the run, and he sells it pretty good. Yeah. Um, his name's Jesus Garcia. Yes. His, the he changed his name. He had a Hollywood name, uh, Corey Cora or something like yeah. that, for this film. But his real name's Jesus uh, Garcia. You know he. You know who he looks like in this, and he always looked like to me, um, Michael Jackson. Don't say in the eighties. Oh, oh my! Around the thriller period. What? What are you? What's are you? What's wrong with you? What? I'm serious. I I think he looks a bit like Michael Jackson during the thriller period. He looks nothing like Michael Jackson. Just a little bit. With the, the curly black hair. What is... You, you right now, our listening audience is going, what the fuck <laughs> is wrong with Trevor? <laughs> it just always reminded me of him for some reason. Just, what is, I mean... With the curly I, no, black hair. I just, let's just move on. <laughs> let's just move on. Oh, I just... What? What's wrong with that? What, Tom Atkins, Tom Skerritt. Yeah. Michael Jackson... Yeah, okay. Michael Douglas. Hey, you know what? Let's just move on. Let's just move on. You you need so much guidance and help. I mean, <laughs> Not seriously. <by> you. <laughs> wow, that's fucking... Wow, let's just... We got to wrap this one up pretty quick. Because I just can't... I'm just... Wow. Yeah, wow. Okay. So, I do like when she's in the school and she's having the dream and she, we see Tina with the bag and all oh, that Oh, it's crap. a very effective scene. I... I like how smart, because she's smarter than Tina, because she's the she's the smart girl. Yeah, she's the good girl. So, how she knows to wake herself up by burning by scalding herself on the pipe mm-hmm. to get her out of the. Gym. And also later on with the booby traps and stuff. Yeah, we'll talk about that stupid fucking scene, and that is the that that pretty much ruins the film almost. <laughs> it's oh, it's it beyond bad. Now Rod's death, um, which was. Very effective yeah, as well. Very effective. And the sad, the sad thing about this scene, I, you guys should watch this uh, documentary on, on Nightmare on Elm Street. It's pretty good. They interviewed him, and he says, those are real tears. He goes, I broke down while filming the scene because I was on drugs. Oh, dear. And I didn't goes, know that. I was, yeah, I was high, and Wes pulled me aside. And he goes, he goes, no, I need to finish the scene. And he goes, I was in a real dark place. Right. Um, and he says he's been 25 years sober since. Good on him. So he's, he's doing great. But he said that scene was all real. He said, right. that, obviously, he's deaf. Yeah. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be bad. But, yeah, you know, you know, stuff like that where when you watch it, you kind of you appreciate what the actor, you know, went through. But they also appreciate the fact that he's clean and sober now and Good on doing him. his thing. Yeah. So I'm glad he's all right. Yeah, the bathtub scene is very popular. Uh, but you're right when it comes to the acting in this scene. It's, it's just so bad. I do like the fact where, Mom, I don't want to, you know, hot milk, so childish, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, then, and then she gets sucked under, right? Yeah. Which is a good scene. I like the scene. Yep. That that part. And she's trying to get out. And the, the mother runs back up. What's going on? She's screaming, Oh, God. Mom. Mom. <laughs> help, Mom. And she finally breaks in the door. She gets out from the bath. 
Oh my god, are you okay? Oh no, I was just getting out of the tub. <laughs> no, but what? to be fair, she is in denial. She doesn't really know what's going on, you know, because you know it's not known for your dreams to be real and um, a, a, you know, a child murderer to be in them, an actual one. I yes, also like the way they set it up that they're all having the same dreams, so she's sort of working it out. You know, I, I like that too, and I, and I, I like the fact she knows that she's got to wake herself up. That's how she's, be, especially with Tina's death, she knows she's something's going on here. Yeah, uh, that it could be a lot worse than you know scalding herself. But it just seems like no, she's she's not confused. She just has to let her mom that she's okay. She doesn't want her to know she's. But she's screaming bloody murder, <laughs> and then she said, "Oh no, I'll just get out of the bath." Yeah, how the fuck do you get out of a bath? <laughs> I mean, fucking yeah. hell. And the, the, the mother, I think the mother says something to her, you know, there's a lot of reports of people falling asleep in the bath and dying, you know, drowning, you know, and she's all, I brought, so I brought you some hot milk, <laughs> you know. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. Well, I got I got a question then. Go ahead. And so when we have, when, when Glenn shows up in Nancy's room. Yes. Which we have, again, Billy and Sydney from Scream. Yep. Climbing through so, the window. Yep. So he comes to the window and he she tells him, Don't fall asleep. <laughs> but he does. <laughs> but he does, which is funny. Yeah. Now, was this supposed to be kind of a joke? I think it was. So when she's in the dream, right? Yes. She she turns in her dream and goes, Hey, Glenn, are you still awake? And he pops up behind a tree. Yep. No, I think and what that was is Was be- that Sorry, go ahead. But once he answered, that would mean that he's sleeping because he's in her dream. No, he was still awake at this point, and that's his voice. But in her dream, she has manifested his voice as him popping behind the tree. Dream logic. Okay. Okay. You know, but he's still in the bedroom in the dream, even though he's still awake. Got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. I thought he fell asleep. And no, he falls asleep after that. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. No, well, that makes th- more they're sense not sure on a dream. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, what? No, what no. the fuck's he I, doing in here? As far as I'm aware, anyway, um, that scene, uh, he's basically still awake in the bedroom, and her voice, he in her dream, she's just manifesting his voice. All right, yes. so we know Glenn, she almost gets it, but she, she spies, whatever. But she goes to the dream doctor. We'll call him Roger Rabbit, because he's the voice of Roger Rabbit. I didn't know that. Uh, Charles Fletcher. And, yeah. So, when they, when they go to this dream doctor, I love the fact... She wakes up. She's got three huge scratches of blood and gashes in her arm. And she got gray hair. Yeah. And she's got a fedora. And the doctor's like, hmm. <laughs> what? But at first, I was like, thought this was fucking stupid the first time I saw it. What the fuck? You'd be fucking putting her at home or something. Or something's going on. But I forgot the mother yes. kind of starts putting the pieces together herself. Mm-hmm. She realizes who this is. And don't forget, she's also still in her mother's car, um, so the mother wouldn't have let her get sectioned or whatever, like the kids in the third one do. Yeah. Roger Rabbit makes a good point. He makes a comment. I don't know if this is true, but I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's somewhat in, you know researched. He says, if you don't dream, you'll, you'll, you'll mentally lose it Yeah, in, in the real world. <coughs> yeah. Apparently, everybody does dream, but some people... Um, don't remember their dreams. I am a. I've always been a very vivid dreamer. Um, I've, I went through a phase where I was really fascinated and used to really research my own dreams and stuff, all that sort of thing. But um, yes, uh, my dreams would be quite vivid. But some people 
um, claim that they don't dream. Well, that's actually not true. They do dream. They just can't remember them. They just can't remember it because, yeah, you have to or something. Yes. Um, keeps the brain functioning. Something like that. Yeah. All right. Here's... <laughs> so the mother is fighting and she's getting drunk again. Yeah. Right? So now we're back to the bad acting. It does make sense, though, that the mother being an alcoholic, though, because um, apparently um, there was a scene, it was either um, cut, it was edited out, or it was originally in the script and was never filmed, where it's revealed that, yes, they burnt Freddy Krueger alive, you know, in his boiler house, but also um, that didn't quite kill him. So the mother actually gave him a coup de grace and finished him off with a bullet to the head. So uh, everything that's went on, it does make sense, the mother hitting a drink. No, I don't. I don't mind that. I just think she's bad at being a drunk. But <laughs> they're arguing, and I love it where Nancy goes, "I have his hat, and his name is in his hat, Mom. It's Fred yeah. Krueger." So, let me ask you this: So you're trying to tell me no child rapist killer puts his name on this clothing? Uh, yeah, exactly. Who, what do you, what do you, like a, a child in primary school puts their name on like their coat or whatever, you know? Uh, not like adults who, you know, it's just... <laughs> who puts their name fuck? on a hat or any clothes? Is he Freddy going, ah, I gotta put my name in my hat? Just just in case he loses it and then I get stolen by Jason. Well, you gets, know? He gets arrested by the police. That's my green and red sweater. My name's yeah. on it. <laughs> my name's on the collar. Fred yeah. Krueger. Yeah, that that is. But yeah, I am. Yeah, I always, I thought that he went, what? What? But why has he got his name? <laughs> that should have been easily explained. They could have easily had the mother go. I want to talk to you about where you got that hat, and she could have told her story there. Not oh, yeah. his name's in the hat. The fuck? Yeah, 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 uh. yeah. I, I would say as well about the mother daughter relationship. It is. It although it is corny at times and, and uh, annoying. It is. It's a bit. It's quite realistic. You know the way mothers and daughters can often get on together. You know. Well, when mothers and daughters talk like that, it's real. <laughs> when they do it, it's bad acting. <laughs> and also, there's not usually a supernatural boogeyman called Freddy Krueger in the mix. And, and the problem, the problem with Blake, she, she, she has, she has monotone. She's like, yeah. Oh, Heather. Yeah. Nancy, you know? not Heather. Oh, whatever fucking name, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and and she, uh, I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> Just fuck also, off. Also, and here's a big thing for me with, with these older films. What is it? I, I brought this up before in a podcast. What is it with the parents in these films, like being old as fuck looking? It's the same in the second one and loads of other films from the 80s. Or is it because that they hire like thirty year olds to play the teenagers, so they have to like go <laughs> and actually? I don't get... think John Saxon and apart from uh, John Saxon, I'm, I'm, Ronley, Ronley Blakely. No, no, they look all right, right. But some of the other, uh, like like <clears throat> Johnny Depp's parents and them, they, they they look like fucking pensioners. Well, Ronnie uh, and to be fair, John Saxon um, are are look, look in their late thirties, forties, but um, Johnny Depp's mother looks like a granny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know he's a surprise kid, you know, in their sixties, <laughs> with his funky uh, little um, track bottoms and um, like waist, like belly top or something that he's wearing later <laughs> before he gets killed. <laughs> so when she gets the phone call, "I'm your boyfriend now," and sticks a tongue out, yes, 
Um, it's a great line. Let her know that I'm about to kill your boyfriend. Yep. Um, but it's also, you know, yeah. you got to keep in mind, this is a minor he's talking to. Well, he's a pedophile so, anyway. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, they never screamed the word, but we know what he is. Yes. And, and he does a so once, thing with Tina as well, I believe, at, at one point. Once. Okay, I didn't remember. Um, Could be wrong. Here's where the film gets a little, oh boy. I'm still gone. I'm still enjoying it. But when Jack Sparrow dies, <laughs> it's in, brilliant. In the bed. Again, another really effective death scene. It's a good scene. Yeah. So. Very memorable. It's a good scene. It's The Shining. It's their version of The Shining. Yeah. Um, but from Johnny Depp's bed. Here's, here, here's where the film. And I know the nitpicking's bad. I don't believe in nitpicking. But when it's this bad. Yeah, I'm coming after. <laughs> I ha- I have no choice. All right. So she calls the dad at the boyfriend's house because the dad's over there, you know, investigating the murder. Yes. Dad, come get me in 20 minutes. I'm going to grab him out of my dream. <laughs> <laughs> it's Freddy Krueger. And the dad's like, okay. <laughs> sounds, sounds good. Yeah. Don't forget, dad, 20 minutes. Ready? She hangs up the phone. In that 20 minutes, there's a montage. She's building explosive bulbs. It's the A-team? Sledgehammer traps. (laughs) She's reading a book, I think. She she, she shows the book to Johnny Tapper earlier on on the bridge. She she does trip wires. Yep. Then she sets the alarm for 20 minutes. Yep. So how long is twenty minutes in this in this world? Well, maybe it's um, <laughs> maybe it's dream logic again. I don't know, but uh, it is a bit corny. Harsha turns into no, no, it's Rambo bad. and the A team all in one. No, no, no. It has nothing to do with that. I don't mind her setting traps. I don't give a fuck. I'll go with it. Maybe her dad was always late. In twenty minutes, she has the alarm clock set for twenty minutes. In twenty minutes, she has built something from saw. <laughs> because it's the A team. <laughs> All right, well, we'll change her name to MacGyver. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, so I do like when she brings them out. Yes. And as silly as the booby traps are, they work. Yeah. Um, you're having fun with it. You're kind of rooting for them now because of what he did to to her friends. She's beating and, the shit out of him. With these big, it's, it's home alone with hammers and all yeah. sorts. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. And so what really ends up killing what so what kills him is to stop leaving him and saying I'm not afraid of Well that's actually off. quite clever because that's um earlier on in the film on the bridge, Johnny Depp's character Glenn says about, you know, ancient civilizations, um, how they defeat their dream demons, the dream monsters, is by turning their back on them and denying that they exist. So this is calling back to that. Wow. Wow, look at you. No, 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 because I fucking watched it. You know, <laughs> I, I have wow. watched it multiple times over the years. I thought that's what we were meant to do. <laughs> and with a really horrible ending, Wes Craven hated it. And I know, and, and he was against it. It was Robert Shea put it in. Yeah, you had to have a final score, but who says? Um, Dems the rules. Oh, uh, the horror was, rules. Nah, Robert Shea was wrong. Robert Shea was wrong about the really bad oatmeal stairs, and he was wrong about the ending. Um, I like but, the, oatmeal, the, the oatmeal stairs because it works in the terms of a, a dream, you know. Whenever but you, you see it, you see the stairs, and you can see where she's going to step. Yeah, well, I remember it's not. There's you know, no well that it's poorly. It's not nitpicking. It's poorly executed. 
There's yes, a difference. I know, but I like the concept. So I'm not saying it's not. I'm so not saying it's perfectly executed, but I like the concept. Okay, also, so the, if I go, I'm going to make a Superman movie. Oh, great, Karen. That's great. I love the concept, and it's me sitting on the couch. <laughs> You're going. You know what? I give that a pass. I, I, I like the concept. I pay your money to see that, Karen. Trust me. No, but not for the no, reasons. You'd be, you be like, wow, I like the concept. because, <laughs> I, But I poorly executed it. No, it's a shit you, concept. You're going to give it a pass because it's a good concept. No, I, I it just I, I thought it was possible. Um, I, um, I'm not saying it was perfect, but I thought it was quite possible. It's brilliant. Uh, in the scene. It was brilliant. I wouldn't say brilliant, but it worked. Brilliant. Is that a Belfast accent? Yep. Ah, <laughs> uh, listen, guys. I've told this one pretty good. Just having a good time. Nightmare on Elm Street's a solid film. Um, I, some of the acting, I, it's pretty poor. But again, what slasher film isn't really? Um, and it is saved by Johnny Depp, Amanda Weiss, John Saxon, and the other cast members that are in it. Um, I think they're it, all quite it, solid, but especially John Saxon and Johnny Depp. Yeah, I mean, they all, and they all bring something. Well. And, 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 and again, uh, Ronnie Blakely and Heather Lundekamp didn't bring their A game. I'm sorry they didn't. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, you, listen, guys, I joke around with this one and all. Uh, but I do like Nightmare on Elm Street. It's a solid film. When I was younger, I was, I was creeped out by it. It doesn't hold up for me, I'm going to be honest. I prefer my Jason, and I, I prefer my silent killers, you know. I like the guys who stalk and just do their thing. Um, so Jason and uh, Michael will always be my go-to, uh, but even they they become a, a farce or a, a parody of themselves. But but I understand your loyalty. I understand fans' loyalty. So and I I can't say enough about Robert Shea and Wes Craven. So kudos to their success. See, that was very professional. Yeah, That's for awesome. a change. <laughs> oh, fuck that. Uh, guys, so, uh, what else do I got? Oh, yes. That's right. The new issue of Phantasm Gorya is out. Well, it's not out just yet, but when it's coming it very soon. Um, by the time this podcast goes out, it should be basically um, available around the end of February, the start of March. It's coming out. People, the new issue of Phantasm Gorya is coming out. And what's this one about, Trevor? You're gonna jump in here. It's your fucking magazine. Well, I mean, I'm just I'm 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 letting you I'm letting you take the lead. But yes, it is a Hellraiser special. See, yes. I wasn't gonna say that because I wasn't sure if we're allowed to. Yes, no, no, it's a Hellraiser special, and you know it's um, featuring so many of the cast and crew. Um, you know, there's an archival interview with Clive Barker. There's Peter Atkins on board. Stephen Jones, who was a unit publicist, you know, there's the special effects and makeup guys, you know, GF Portas. Basically, they're all in there, and we pay tribute to the entire series, but mainly the first four films in the series. And um, yeah, go check it out. It's available throughout the world from Amazon, um, anywhere in the world, and soon to be in select stores as well. Hmm. You mentioned all those very talented people. Yes. Uh, Trevor. Uh, are you missing somebody on that? I don't understand. Yes, believe it or not, folks, for all of you fans of Kieran, he's in there too with a review of the 2022 um, version of Hellraiser. So check wow. it out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you guys want to. yeah, yeah. Doug Bradley, we've got Doug Bradley, we've got the Cenobites, Clive Barker, the special effects guys, Kim Newman, top artists, 
and also, more importantly, Kieran Woods. <laughs> yeah, and that's the name that matters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, we'll get we'll get you actually actually get closer to the release date when we release two and three together of the Nightmare on Elm Streets. We'll have more where it's available and so forth. If you guys want to give us a shout and how unprofessional we were at this podcast, <laughs> please always feel free at Citizen Frame Underscore Podcast and Instagram and of course Facebook. We are retiring. Take care of yourselves, and maybe I'll see you in your dreams. That's kind of creepy, actually. (laughs) (laughs) All right, have a good one.